is the Adam Crowley Show. Wow, wow, is very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. A lot of balls in the air right now. A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here at the old Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tom Offerman furiously efforting guests. Me furiously efforting guests. KDO bouncing up and down on his seat, dancing to the music, and Brian's peeing. How's he get off being that guy? The guy who's peeing during a segment. I mean, if there's ever a day we needed him, it's today. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. We've spent the entire day, or just about, talking about the NFL's new policy on the national anthem and what it means for the league, what it means for the owners, what it means for the Players Association, all kinds of offshoots from that topic. We will hear from Matt Williamson coming up in about 18 minutes to talk strictly about football, though. So do be patient for that. We will get back into the anthem stuff in a moment as well, but I did want to mention this. I did want to slide some hockey in. You know how my heart longs to talk about hockey. You know how I love that damn sport. George LaRock, you remember him? Probably not, because he wasn't good. Ah, but you do. Former Penguin, former Enforcer. He tweeted this to Ryan Reeves, quote, Congrats on making it to the Stanley Cup Final, brah. And on scoring the clinching goal against the Jets. You can send a pair of tickets to Jim Rutherford to come watch you. Ha 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 ha. P.S. If Pitt kept you, they would have beat Washington. End quote. I'd like to stress a couple of things. Number one, it was exactly ha 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 ha. Eight ha's. And the other thing I want to stress is just how completely wrong he was in all of that. I don't mind a dude being a dude to his dude. You feel? LaRock and Reeves have a lot in common. They're black in a predominantly white sport. They're fighters, not lovers. And neither of them is all that good at hockey. Although I will admit that Reeves is a superior player. What I do mind, though, is this. Giving fuel to a small uninformed faction of Penguins fans that will second-guess every move that Jim Rutherford and the organization makes. Ryan Reeves would not have made a lick of difference against the Washington Capitals, and really, (laughs) he hasn't made a difference in Las Vegas. (laughs) At the end of his career in Pittsburgh, he was contributing nothing and playing seven minutes a night, was Reeves. He wasn't going to be playing in the playoffs. In fact, Aston Reeves, Joris, Rowney and Simone were all going to get sweaters before he did. Maybe even Daniel Sprong. If he was going to play, again, it would have been for about seven minutes a night. In 26 games in Vegas, can you guess how many goals he had? Anybody. How many goals did he have in 26 games? How about points? It was one and three. One goal, three points in 26 games. Ooh. He complained to Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, about not getting enough playing time in Pittsburgh, and that was the reason for his lack of production. He wasn't playing enough, that's why he wasn't scoring goals. Well, let's take a look at those factoids, shall we? In Vegas, 
in the regular season, he actually played 10 minutes a game. That's a career high for Mr. Ryan Reeves. Whoa, what were they doing? And he scored exactly zero goals in 21 games. More minutes, less goals. Jesus. It wasn't about playing time. He's just not a producer, period. And if Vegas thought he was so valuable, why did they wait for injuries to put him in the lineup? Why was he only playing six minutes a night in playoff games? Why has he only played in six playoff games? His ice time went down four minutes from his time there in the regular season to his time there in the postseason. Wow, MVP. He would not have prevented Tom Wilson from running around. Jamie Alexiak tried to fight him and make him pay for his shenanigans, and he just skated away. Reeves is even scarier, so Wilson would have just skated away. If Reeves was even dressed, of course. Riddle me this. Would Reeves have stopped all the odd man breaks? Would he have made Matt Murray less average? Would he have been able to spark Phil Kessel? I forgot about his magic ability to heal injuries. He'd have massaged Malkin and Broussard back to health. And it all would have been a happy ending. Give me a break, LaRock. I don't mind when people spout off and give their opinions. Especially when they're being a friend to another friend. LaRock's being a dude to his dude, dude. And I get that because I am a dude. I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. And we're all dudes. Hey, I'm a dude. He's a dude. Good burger. But what I hate is when a small faction of the fan base actually believes something to be true, and then an uninformed jock jackass says, oh yeah, I believe the same thing. It makes them all think that there's credibility there. Everyone who is questioning Jim Rutherford about moving Ryan Reeves now will do so, and then some, because, oh yeah, this clown, George LaRock, says, ah, they really missed him. That's our hockey talk from today, brought to you by no one. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Losing my voice. You're fired up. I am fired up. I mean, George LaRock, what are you doing, man? Oh, you mean about the other stuff? About everything. Oh. It's a a day to get fired up about sports. It really is. And LaRock's an idiot. I mean, unless he's talking to his bro, then he's not. Do you smell what LaRock is cooking? Good burger? Eric Edholm, who writes for ProFootballWeekly.com, talked to a couple of NFL players today, really good reporting by him, and they've said that they're going to now try to do some different things to protest. Here's another thing we haven't examined here. Uh, this is nice. We got a new angle, baby. We got a yeah. new brand job. Just keep coming. Oh, I think I'm going to stand up for this. Oh, oh no. Man. He's back up on his yeah, feet. Yeah, let me pull the old pants up like I'm getting ready to field a ground ball. Here not we take, go. Not taking a knee on this segment. I am not. <laughs> Here's what was going to happen. Players were eventually going to peter out with the protesting. It was going to be done. They were going to say, peace, see you later. And the NFL dug it all back up and made it the topic A conversation. But now the NFL is cutting off the oxygen to these protests, right? The NFL is saying, oh, you can't do it this way. Don't do it this way. You're not allowed to do it this way. If you do it this way, money comes out of your pocket, your team's pocket, and you, sir, are getting in trouble. 
So now the NFL players that were going to peter out, the NFL protests that were going to stop, are not going to stop. They're going to come at it a completely different way because the NFL just egged them the F on. This is probably a lazy analogy because children don't typically try to strive for things other than the bare necessities. But it's a lot like telling a child, yo, don't do this. Do it on our terms. Don't stand in the corner on the left side of the room. And the kid just runs over to the right side of the room. It's exactly what's happening here. Now, the NFL players have grander things in their eyesight. They have things that they're actually striving for beyond the bare necessities. Although, I think you could argue that not having to face racial injustice is a bare necessity. But they're doing that exact same thing. They were going to be done. It was going to peter out. They were going to stop. And now they're not because the NFL told them to stop. I love it. Good job, NFL. Could I even add this that they've yes. actually, they've given them more credibility with this because now there's like a laid out punishment. This is going to happen if you do this. Now all of the people who are arguing saying, "Oh, they've got nothing to lose; they're millionaires." Well, the NFL said they're going to punish them, so it actually adds a little more credence to any kind of protest that happens now. A- am I wrong there? You're not wrong. For Kaepernick. The punishment wound up being him not being in the league. and with it, Silently. Silently. And with Eric Reid, it's going to perhaps be the same thing. We'll see what happens in that circumstance. But that was never talked about. That's why there are lawsuits, because it's just assumed that it was talked about. When you're saying you're going to get suspended, you're going to get punished for this, that does give more credence to the protest because now there's risk involved. Yeah, and it's public. Now, exactly. I'm going to get in trouble for doing this, but I'm doing it anyway, so he must really believe in it. Yep, I care about my people so much so that I'm willing to give up game checks for this. And we're talking about guys who aren't bajillionaires, too. Uh, there are players who are <laughs> league minimum type players that could do this, and then it lends even more credence to it. It just does. I want to see what Eric Reed made in his NFL career. I'd like to squash the Eric Reed thing right now just because, hey, Eric, you you, you kind of weren't that good in a safety-rich offseason. You're not working because you suck. Okay, don't put yourself in cap seat. Well, because <laughs> he sucked and because he did this. There are a lot of bad players on NFL rosters, and he's good enough to be on a 90-man roster, that's for sure. I think that what the NFL did here was it just threw fuel on the fire in terms of conversation, and it it threw fuel on the fire in terms of players, players who were going to stop, and now we're going to say, all right, I'll fight for my team. Here's the cap hit for Eric Reed, by the way. Uh, his last year in the league, it was about $6 million. And before that, it was at most $2.5 million. So we're talking about, yes, somebody who is very wealthy by most of our standards. No doubt about that. But we're also talking about a guy who, if you if you take away that income, it felt like he's been stashing enough of that to live for the remainder of his life. Kaepernick, yo, that dude should be good. But Eric Reed, guys like that, nah, man. They are giving up a lot. They're giving up the thing that they love most, too, which is their career in the National Football League. Who among us wouldn't want to play football for a living? I mean, who among us wouldn't want to have sport be our life? Lucky enough for us, it is. But on that grand scale. So it does get taken away. And it is a sacrifice. But now it's that sacrifice that's plastered on the wall. This is a little bit different. But Pete Rose knew exactly what he was doing because it said on every damn wall, do not gamble. (laughs) 
Well, now the NFL is saying, and of course gambling had no positive benefits, really, uh, for Mr. Pete Rose, but this does. The NFL is now saying, don't do this or you're effed. Don't do this or us, the ones with more money, will take your money away. So now any player who does it can spit back in their face and say, you know what, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to kneel anyhow, and it's going to be far more powerful than it was before. You made my point that much heavier. Exactly it, man. Exactly your point. Feel like I just repeated it though. No, no, you didn't. I mean, I'm talking about the players. It makes their point that much. Oh heavier, my god, it know? does because these are the players. The players who are really passionate about it. Do you think they're gonna just gonna go sit in the locker room now? No. Hell no. Now they go sit out there. I mean, look, you and I have kind of that mindset. Like somebody tells us not to do something, <laughs> we kind of say exactly what you just did there. We start <laughs> to giggle a little bit. We get that little s eating grin on our face. Like, oh, how can we buck this system? You know, and these guys, okay, you use the kid analogy. Like you tell a kid not to do something. Now, intensify that by the fact that these are highly motivated guys who have very, very big egos. And I'm not saying that in a way that, like, I'm not clowning on them or anything. You've got to have a big ego to be able to play a professional sport. You've got to have a healthy ego. So you're talking to guys that not only think highly of themselves, you're telling them not to do something. The blowback is that much bigger. It's throwing gas onto a fire to put it out. And all it does is it makes the flames bigger. And the NFL is going to end up with a bigger problem than they ever had if they would have just kept their damn mouth shut. Yep. Let it die. Whether you agree with the kneelers or the standers, we can all agree on one thing, that the NFL done screwed up. Coming up next, we will talk football football. Because mm-hmm. Matt Williamson's not going to try to get into all this. He, of course, from WilliamsonFootball.com, the Steelers Radio Network, and Steelers Nation Radio. That is next. Will the Steelers sign Michael Kendricks? It's the Crowley Show. I don't mind a dude being a dude to his dude. You feel? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. LaRock's being a dude to his dude, dude. And I get that because I am a dude. I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. And we're all dudes. Hey, I'm a dude. He's a dude. Good burger. Chris Long, defensive end for the world champion Philadelphia Eagles. He says, quote, on the NFL's new policy for the national anthem, this is fear of a diminished bottom line. It's also fear of a president turning his base against a corporation. This is not patriotism. Don't get it confused. These owners don't love America more than the players demonstrating and taking real action to improve it. It also lets you, the fan, know where our league stands. I will continue to be committed to affecting change with my platform. I'm someone who's always looked at the anthem as a declaration of ideals, including the right to peacefully protest. Our league continues to fall short on the issue. Chris Long, ladies and gentlemen, is white. Tomorrow on the show, seems like I might get Eric Edholm, who writes for Pro Football Weekly, to come on the show. He talked to a bunch of players today and wrote a really good piece about all this. Nail it down prior to the end, and then I'll smack Tom in the face for not having done it. Right now, though, Matt Williamson joins us. Another booking by me. I'm tremendous at my job. Williamson? Hello! What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. You want to talk about the flag or no? No. 
Michael Kendricks, good fit for the Steelers, yes? Yes, yes, yes. I think he's going to be sought after. I mean, I could probably give you six to ten teams that should at least be calling, kicking the tires. I think he's a quality player. Every down capabilities, uh, probably better against the pass than any of the linebackers they have on the roster right now. Do you think John Bostick's a guy who can be a three-down linebacker for this club? Uh, yes, but kind of by default. You know, he runs well. Um, he doesn't change direction, play in space, play in reverse all that well. You know, I mean, I think he's kind of a downhill guy, but when he is in a straight line, he gets there quickly. Um, he's experienced. He has some leadership skills. Certainly the communication skills are instrumental, and that's not an accident that they're bringing in better communicators. Um, but that's kind of in a pinch. I think he's a lot like Vince Williams that way. Can you rank the three linebackers for me and give me space between them? How big a gap you think there is between them? Vince Williams, Michael Kendrick, and John Bostic. Oh, Kendrick's one. Gap. Vince. Small gap. Bostic. Okay, that's surprising to me. I thought you would have said Bostic, too. And Vince Williams three. Now we're talking about some controversy on this program, Williamson. That yeah, uh, that up. will not stand for me. Okay, I'll tell you what. I think Vince Williams is clearly number three on the list. Yeah, I think Bostic would win in a race. I think Williams is better at playing football. We're not supposed to talk about race on this show. Matt Williamson joining me here <laughs> on the Crowley Show. If they weren't able to get Kendricks. Do you think that it makes sense to kick the tires on a on a Bowman or a Lawrence Timmons? Timmons, no. I think Timmons would be third on that list of the two guys here. And I don't think that he's the athlete he once was. He was never a great recognition player. He got exposed in coverage. His might be time for him to get on with his life's work. Um, Bowman, I feel like I'm missing something, you know, because – the Niners moved on from him, and to no fault really of, a, of his own. You know, they had Foster, and they want to get younger and move and get the caps out of the way. Oakland desperately needed him, and he struggled there early. But, boy, as the season went on, I thought he started playing really, really well. And then they brought in a new staff, Gruden's staff, obviously, and they didn't want anything to do with him, apparently. You know, they're moving on. But I don't understand why he's still on the market. I, I You know, is there an injury there? Is he turning down offers? Is he considering not playing next year? But, you know, Steelers have Bradley on their staff now, too, who has a relationship with him, and he played at Penn State, and he's from Jersey. I mean, I would think he'd have interest coming here. But he's also, you know, a Band-Aid on the problem, and he's not a great coverage player anymore. Doesn't sound like they really have a great coverage linebacker on the roster from an inside standpoint. So no, I think that leads you to the next conversation, which is, how much do you play sub-package football with multiple safeties and you slide one safety in to play the linebacker position? That's what I'm most intrigued in seeing as the season gets closer, and I wonder how much of that they are going to start playing with an OTAs. Yeah, and I've been saying that all along, that if, you're, if you couldn't get Van Der Esch or Evans or the true, hopefully, replacement for Shazier, quote, inside linebackers, you know, you can work around that by playing big safeties in the box, and you're seeing that more and more across the league. Burnett did a fair amount of that. Um, I absolutely think Edmonds fits that mold 
a great deal. And then when they took Marcus Allen in the fifth round, I'm like, okay, all cards are on the table. You know, they're going to play safeties on the second level of defense. You can call them a linebacker or not, but they're backing the line. Do they have anybody who can play center field for them, though, Matt? To me, that's the biggest question. And, you know, watching OTAs, it seems like a lot of people are doing that or trying that or depending on how the plays go, rotate to that position. I don't know. To me, that's the biggest question about the whole defense, more so than who's the, quote, linebacker, is who's the single high safety? And will they play less of that? They've played quite a bit. I mean, ideally, you, I mean I'm mean, i talking like an Ed Reed type. I mean, that's what you ideally want, is that center fielder, rangy, uh, attack the ball in the air, Earl Thomas. I still think that the maybe the best candidate for the job, though, is Cortland Sutton. What about Cameron Sutton? Him, too. Cortland Sutton's a, a wide receiver for the Broncos now. Cam Sutton would be even better at it. Yeah, you forgot more football than I've ever even learned. I do that from time to time. Yeah, Matt Williamson joins us here on the Crowley Show. Sounds like there could be a little Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt flip-flop, at least at times. What's that do for the defense? Not a heck of a lot, but okay, I do good. think that's going to happen. We were interviewing Bud yesterday, and it was clear. I mean, he was lining up on the defense's right side. And if this was 15 years ago, I think it would make a bigger deal because the discrepancies between left and right tackle prototypes aren't as great as they used to be. But still, you know, I mean, offenses don't come out with a tight end on the quarterback's right all the time, you know, hardly at all, really. I mean, it's just a, it's not a tendency anymore. Still, I, I think Dupree has a better chance to use his straight-line explosion power strength against, quote, finesse left tackles where T.J. might be able to use his athleticism, bend, technique better against heavier-footed right tackles. But again, that gap isn't what it used to be. Do you think it matters where the sacks come from, as long as they're getting sacks? No. Um, it's kind of a chicken or egg situation. I think you and I have had this conversation that if you had Khalil Mack and, or you know, Vaughn Miller, you'd be rushing them every time. But you don't, and the Steelers drop their edge players more than pretty much any team in the league. But they also generated really good pressure up the middle with Hayward and Tewitt and Blitzes and Hilton and those guys. And in today's NFL, especially against like a Brady where the ball comes out so fast, you would rather have interior pressure than exterior pressure because it takes fewer steps to get there. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a split-second difference. But I'd rather have a big man that's 300 pounds with long arms rushing up the A-gap and getting penetration than Von Miller screaming off the edge and Brady steps up into a clean pocket. But if Dupree were Von Miller, he wouldn't be dropping the coverage so much. Last couple of things from Matt Williamson here. Uh, the Steelers Radio Network, it is the Crowley Show. When looking at the Steelers' defense, a lot of the similar pieces that they had last year, especially up front, how are they going to get better at defending the run? Because they need to. Because, my God, they were awful, particularly at the end of last year. Yeah, they were. I mean, but there's certainly stints or games. You know, the Bears game comes to mind as well. Uh, Mike Hilton had a good point today that, you know, he just kind of brought it up on his own when we interviewed him. He said the things that were really the keys that we're trying to change from last year as a whole defensively are, number one, our tackling has to be better. 
And he's 100% right. And he said, number two, we allowed far too many big plays. And I asked him, you know, were some of those mental gaps, you know, blown coverages. And he said, yeah, but he said, you know, if we take care of number one, we'll take care of number two a lot better, too. And obviously that's true in the running game in particular. You know, if you break a uh, Leonard Fournette breaks a tackle, he's gone. You know, I mean, some of these home-running hitting types that have great speed. So I do think becoming a better tackling team would go a long way. And I'm not sure that Edmonds is that guy. I mean, he struggled with that, but he also had a terrible shoulder situation, too. So I'm not sure it's fair to judge him as a tackler when he shouldn't have been on the field because his shoulder was so bad. Bostic, I think, is a good, firm tackler. Everybody's a year older. And I think they realize now, too, that, you know, Shazier was the great deodorant, too, that any time something went wrong, his speed would make up for it. And, frankly, he wasn't a wonderful tackler either. Flipping over to the offensive side, Matt, I'm a little bit worried that the offense could take a little step back because I thought Le'Veon took a step back last year. And if he takes another step back, then that's obviously not good. And... Even though Martavis didn't have a great season last year, when he's been healthy, he's been a proven guy. And I love James Washington. I like the idea of him. I bet that he does play well, but that's also an unknown. And with those two unknowns, that puts a lot of pressure on Ben and a lot of pressure to me on Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think you phrased that well, too. And as you were were stating that question, I'm sitting here thinking, well, what area of the offense or what position on offense – has a chance to be noticeably better this year. Mm, tight end, then I'm not sure. You know, is A.B. going to be better than the best receiver in the league? Probably not. Is Bell going to be better than last year? Maybe. Maybe we see the two-year-ago version. But I'm a little more pessimistic like you are. Ben's a year older and started the season rough. Is he going to be a better quarterback than how he finished last year? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, but that doesn't mean it's terrible. You know, like, look at the the Falcons. Remember two years ago with Shanahan, they were a record-setting, unbelievable offense. And then, you know, Sarkeesian comes in and everyone's criticizing him because he's not Shanahan and they're not by far the best offense in the league. But they were seventh. And, you know, they were still really good. You know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I still think that they're going to be way above average, even if these things happen that may or may not happen. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. What did you think about yeah. the offensive line last year? Did you think that they played well enough? Exceptional in protection. Yeah. I really think that they've done an exceptional job in protection, and that's most important in today's NFL. I think they took a small step back in the running game, and but I thought Bell took a not a huge step back, but a – step back, a bigger step back than the blocking did. I still think it's a top five line overall, though. Yeah, I do, too. I don't think enough people realize that Le'Veon Bell took that step backwards last year. I know. I feel like I've been on an island for that, you know, for quite some time. I mean, no chunk runs, put up big numbers, but a real volume-based, you know, I mean, it's because he had so many catches and so many carries. I'm not saying he's bad, but just remember how good he was Two years ago, he was unbelievable, jaw-dropping consistently. Now he has some runs where you go, whoa, you know, that's impressive. But fewer, and certainly fewer chunk runs. Yeah, far and away, two years ago, the best running back in football last year. Right. No, I mean, he had he was a yard off in terms of yards per carry. He just wasn't the same guy. The explosion wasn't there. Uh, Matt, yeah. really appreciate your time, man. Uh, thank you, as always. Have fun with Mr. Lolly tomorrow. Give him a noogie for me, okay? I will. we got Wolf tomorrow, too, so we got the full house. Why didn't I get invited?
Yeah, you maybe you've been fourth on the list. Okay, I'll take fourth. See you, buddy. We'll make you feel good. See you. <laughs> Matt Williams, and what a guy. I'll tell you. He tickles me in places that only a man with his football knowledge can tickle me. That is my undercarriage. That's a deep tickle. It is a deep tickle. How about some of the stuff coming out from NFL players now? Williamson didn't want to talk about it, but I, I kind of do. Perhaps there's room in the hottest take of the day for the anthem controversy. That's next, plus other crap and the three stars of the show. Hopefully there was some humor to be found. There was not. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. <laughs> show today a lot of comedy not a lot of serious takes should we change that in the final segment nah we're all dancing you can't see us but we are dancing and we're good at it we're great at it so good big show tomorrow the vampire Tim Ben's going to be joining us. Perhaps Eric Edholm reached out to Sage Rosenfels. A lot more on the NFL and the anthem controversy. Also, the Capitals and Lightning tonight, baby. Game seven, the biggest game, far none, without a doubt, in Alexander Ovechkin's career. And I think they're going to get it done. I think they're going to win. No chance. I think they're going to win the hockey game, and I think it's going to be fairly obvious which team's the better team. I think the Capitals win, and I think Ovechkin curb stomps all his haters until he runs into Marc-Andre Fleury, who curb stomps then his hopes and dreams. And that's what I'm rooting for. That was the topic of our unsponsored Twitter poll yesterday. Do you want to see the Capitals lose in seven? Or do you want to see the Capitals lose to their nemesis, Marc-Andre Fleury? And about 64% of you said you'd rather the Caps lose tonight. I don't think it's going to happen, but it is one game, and the Capitals have a terrible, terrible, awful, unfortunate, disgusting history in Game 7s. All right, back to the serious stuff. It's time for the hottest take of the day. (laughs) CBS tweeted this out. Quote, NFL players are protesting by kneeling during the national anthem, say they're calling attention to racial injustice. But many owners believe it disrespects the flag, and today they took action to stop it. End quote. That was CBS News on Twitter. Why do we have to frame it this way? NFL owners aren't stopping this out of the goodness of their heart for veterans. NFL owners aren't stopping this because they think it's the patriotic thing to do. NFL owners don't give a rip about any of that. They don't care about God and country. They don't care about the veterans who lost their lives. They don't give a rip about any of that stuff. Jerry Jones cares about the bottom line. You want a face for the NFL owners? It's that one. Botox and all, it is Jerry Jones. That bitch does not care at all about the American people. That guy does not care at all about the flag. That guy cares about putting more money in his pockets. That's all this is. So let me revise the headline for you, CBS. I hate the way you did it. 
NFL players protesting by kneeling during the national anthem say they're calling attention to racial injustice. But many owners want to stop them because they'd like to make more money. End quote. Bam! You nailed it now, CBS! I think there's enough characters to go around. I think you can even add on if you want to, but my way, a lot more accurate than your way. The other thing that bothers me, oh, and there are a lot of things that bother me, is that one part of that is factually accurate. NFL players protesting by kneeling say they're calling attention to racial injustice. That's why they're doing it. So that is, in fact, a fact. But they're representing them as if it is just something that they're doing on the other opposite scope of what the owners are saying. They added both pieces there so that they could pretend like they're doing journalism, when in reality, there's not always two sides to every story. Sometimes there's five, sometimes there's 40. There's not always just two equal represented sides. It's about the money! Can't we see that? The DOD, $53 million to sports teams and sports leagues this year to push out propaganda. American flag, flyovers, and I get it. I understand why they're doing it. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. But the NFL treats them then as any of their other advertisers. It's just a big one. It's a big one. It's not about patriotism. It's a league working in its best interest to make money. So all y'all rednecks out there, and here we go. I know just end of the show I was going to go off. All y'all rednecks out there, everyone bowing down to the NFL today saying they're doing the right thing. They're punishing these people because they're treasonous. They are not Americans. They're Americans. We don't like them. All you people. You're too dense to realize that it ain't about patriotism. It was never about patriotism. It was always about money and race and things that generally go over your thick skulls. Right over your skull, right over your balding head, right over that Make America Great Again hat. It's a bad tweet, CBS. Hey, don't tell the story at all. And then they have a soundbite of Roger Goodell talking. Good. That'll teach us. Out of the 32 owners, 31 of them are white as I am. Let's let them determine the policy without talking to the NFLPA at all. This is a different take. But a take nonetheless. Keep playing with my papers like that's going to do something. CBS! Hand ringing. That was the hottest take of the day. Woo! Other crap. The Capitals coach today lap around the rink in 19 seconds to start the Capitals practice. Boy, Barry Contrats. Woo! Other crap. Nice to see him put his no neck on the line. Woo! Other crap. Hang the banner. Woo! Other crap. ESPN paid $1.5 billion for the rights to UFC. They don't even have a fighting chance. Woo! Other crap. That was between that and puncher's chance. Woo! Other crap. And neither of them are funny. Woo! Other crap. Something, something, rear naked chokehold. Woo! Other crap. LeBron and the Cavs take on the Seas tonight in Boston. Hey, LeBron, 
Nice hairline. Woo! Other crap. That's a rear naked joke hold. Woo! Other crap. The NFL fixed the NFL's kneeling policy by consulting 31 and a half white guys. Woo! Other crap. True Patriots. Woo! Other crap. And Roger Goodell. Woo! Other crap. Jerry Jones' face looks a lot like my balls. Woo! Other crap. Use Botox on your balls? Woo! Other crap. I was going to say hairless and saggy. Woo! Other crap. It's been 441 days since Pitt Basketball won a conference game. Just a little tip, a little inside baseball here. Every time I say it's been, I try to do it like the guy from the Bare Naked Ladies in one week. It's, it's been, been, it's been, 441 days since Pitt Basketball won a conference game. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, Matt Williamson. Hello, Matt Williamson. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. You want to talk about the flag or no? No. Michael Kendricks, good fit for the Steelers, yes? Yes, yes, yes. I think he's going to be <laughs> sought after. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Devin! Oh, this is so ridiculous. First, the, the, the kneeling takes place before the game, so they're doing their job by playing in the game, so that has nothing to do with their silence. <laughs> no, didn't you know, Devin, that their job is to sing every word in the national anthem? And secondly, it's been so mutated about what the whole cause was. The cause was about police brutality and different things of that nature. Sure. It's not about the troops. So when people try to mutate it and say, oh, they're disrespecting the troops, you're just twisting the narrative. First star. And tonight's first star of the show, Adam Crowley. NFL wants to be the moral police on everything. Beat your girlfriend, we're going to punish you. Not the law, we. We're punishing you. Smoke some weed? The law ain't punishing you. We are. I don't care if you don't go to jail. We're going to make you. Unless you're Matt Patricia, then you get off scot-free for whatever reason. But they want to be the moral authority on all this stuff. And that's where the problem began. We've got a bonus other crap. Woo! Other crap. Richie is being held for involuntary psych evaluation. Surprised they found him. Heard he was going incognito. Woo! Other crap. Who let the dogs out? As I mentioned already, tomorrow on the show, Timothy Benz from Breakfast with Benz will be joining us at 5. Maybe Eric Edholm? Maybe Sage Rosenfeld? Maybe we'll talk about the Pirates? Ah, they're not worth talking about. Why would we want to do that? Good show by Brian today. Great show by Tom. Good show by you, Adam. I just, You're the number one star. I'll tell you what, boys. I am exhausted. I'm exacerbated. And when I get home, there's only one thing to do. It rhymes with exacerbate. <laughs>